Signs of the Southland, Monday, May 23rd, 2022. Mr. Grant, Mr. Purdy, I want to start off today by talking about the epic Atlanta sports-esque meltdown that happened on the 18th hole of the PGA Championship this weekend. Mr. Purdy, will you set the stage for us, please? So, Justin Thomas made a roaring comeback. That's That spoils the lead for what happened after this, but... 18th hole, Mito Pereira's got a one-shot lead. All he's got to do is par the 18th hole in the PGA Championship. This is everyone else's hold is hold in. Uh, Justin Thomas and Will Zalatoris are both at seven under, uh, tied for second. Uh, so as long as he doesn't bogey, he wins. Uh, he, as he said in his interview afterwards, just like kind of lost feeling in his body because what the hell else are you supposed to do when you've never gotten close to this moment in the PGA Tour? Shanks his drive. It was a weird looking drive. Goes into the creek, uh, takes his relief. Second shot, sails the hits the green, but then goes into the the, uh, the deep rough around the green. So he's got a really tough chip going downhill. Uh, doesn't do much with that. He has to make his what would have been then his fourth shot, and then he misses that, uh, and then proceeds to double bogey, putting Zalatoris and Justin Thomas in a playoff, which Justin Thomas won to get his second PGA Championship. Uh, which and it was an eight at a point it was an eight it turned out to be an eight shot comeback he started seven down but he was eight down at one point during the round so i believe it tied the pga record or it tied some record uh, it wasn't it wasn't the major record i know it wasn't that uh so justin's got two now will's got five top tens and eight appearances in majors that's pretty good that's yeah. pretty good the sad part is mito would have had the first chilean major ever uh so I, I, that sucks there because Joaquin Neiman's been on the doorstep a couple times too. So that's just an absurd. Oh my God. You you can't watch that and not just feel awful. But yeah. Just an and absurd it, and meltdown on 18. It's it sucks. And hey, the guy had the guy had the wherewithal. And I, I just I don't want to say it. bravery might be I think bravery is a good word, but he still came back. He did the interviews afterwards. Like a lot of guys don't have to. Like Rory just didn't do the interviews. Uh, in the fourth round once he was like out of it out of it after leading after 18 um but he like he was there he was himself he was pretty vulnerable in the post-match interviews and a lot of media guys were like that was incredible i respect the hell out of that guy and i do too because that's you don't have to do that he just he could have just gone to the range gone get a beer or whatever but no he was like no i'll face the crowd um i think that was good for him to process it as well just to kind of understand it with everybody else it would not be the first mega meltdown in the history of golf, but nope. uh, I surely won't be the last either. Some, it, it's ridiculous to me how unforgiving golf can be sometimes and how yeah. it's, it's a ruthlessly efficient sport in many ways because it's all, you know, it's based on geography, it's based on topography, and you can just really get messed up by one bad shot one bad angle um and even on you know when do you have to make when you're that far ahead no one's ever really that far behind yeah to speak to how great this tournament well it's actually kind of boring for part of it but the great irony of it was that scotty scheffler who had won the masters in half of his eight past starts said this was his favorite course to play and was out of it by the first round that's uh that's deeply ironic but yes. you know that's yes. also very much golf. So yes, yes. 
and we uh, will oh no you have one more thing oh yeah i was gonna say i mean what's what's one of our favorite podcast related memes jack i don't i don't know if you uh have heard us harp on this one before but you just got to be a head case to play golf you got to be a head case to play tennis you got to play be a head case to be a relief pitcher or a diver or really i've all athletes are head case many have said this actually but man like this is this is one of of those uh outings where it's like yep that's that's pretty accurate also john daly was leading the tournament for about an hour (laughs) he teed off first right he teed off first but he was two under (laughs) yeah that's all you got to be. You All you got to do is be under par. And with that in mind, let's start on the golf course in Columbus, Ohio, for the NCAA Columbus Regional Georgia Tech. When we last saw them, were fifth uh, behind first place, Oklahoma State, who had a sterling first day. Georgia Tech finished tied for first at the end of the three-day, I think it was a three-day regional uh, they rounded into form very nicely on day two. I think they post they went 13 under as a team yeah. um, to retake or I guess share that lead and coast into the final, the championship final that will be in Scottsdale, Arizona. We'll talk about that in a minute. But first, Jack, I want to throw it over to you. What did you see from this regional and how did Tech do, in your opinion? Uh consistent team consistency was something uh i mean another comeback thing like justin thomas they were 10 down after round one uh which obviously isn't as much when it's a team thing but 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 they what was it ross Steelman went four under and then hal lamprecht and reuter all went three under uh so i mean it's incredible that, that's really good to see in a postseason situation that's like nope okay they've got this um and then held on too because, I mean, like obviously college sports is a little bit more volatile than pro sports, as hard as that can be believed. Uh, and they held on just fine, which is great, because they, they're no reason why you can't also just shoot 68 one day and then shoot 80 the next. Uh, so I'm really I'm, proud of the guys. I, was, I, I think that's a great, um, a great uh, kind of segue into or out of how we talked about them last Monday, because we, we did a Monday podcast last week as well with, um, them sitting tied for fifth and re- really the result was this team's really good and they basically just turned a worst case scenario into they'd still qualify if it ended today and and what do they do the next few days that came out played a lot closer to what we'd seen the rest of and there you know they were the mix still yeah, yeah they were they were 14 shots clear of the rest of the field with Oklahoma State who was what the second ranked team so mm-hmm. like they're they can play as good as anybody which that's all you really, that's all you need. You know, you can, if you know you can beat anybody, why not them? Mm-hmm. Why not? So now they advance to a 30 team field out of their regional. All they had to do was finish top five. Obviously they finished first tied for first. So your finalists for the NCAA championship final in Scottsdale, Arizona, that will be at Greyhawk golf club, which I believe tech visits pretty often this will be may 27th through june 1st your finalists from the palm beach regional that's vanderbilt florida state florida south florida college of charleston from new haven uh, wake forest north carolina texas tech north florida georgia southern norman 
had Oklahoma, Auburn, Ole Miss, Texas, Utah, the Columbus Regional aforementioned, had Oklahoma State, Georgia Tech, Ohio State, Arkansas, and East Tennessee State, whom I didn't actually expect to see here. Very interesting. Uh, from the Bryan Regional, Arizona, Pepperdine, Texas A&M, Athens, and Kansas, and then finally, Stockton Regional, Arizona State, BYU, Stanford, Oregon, Liberty. That is your 30-team field. Jake, I want to kick it over to you. What do you make of this field? What do you make of this draw? I think Tech was in the 10th pairing. Um, I forgot which teams they were with. And while you talk, I will go look that up. Yeah. Um, so if there's one thing that we're going to see uh, at at Greyhawk, um, is a lot of familiar faces uh, between the obvious, you know, Florida State, Wake Forest, North Carolina. Uh, you've also got Southern uh, and Athens, who we, we run into quite a bit. But thing I did want to note and just kind of linger on for a second is the fact that we see College of Charleston, um, North Florida, ETSU, uh, and then, uh, you know, I guess Liberty is kind of borderline and Pepperdine and, and BYU have very, very excellent um, non-revenue sports, but just uh, seems like a pretty diverse group here. Not, not a ton of like big 10 representation by any means. It's a lot of Southern, um, you know, Southwestern West coast type type schools, but I, I think it's pretty, uh, pretty broad based field. I don't know. It, anything that can get uh, a couple interesting names in the mix should be good. Obviously tech kind of blew away with Oklahoma state, the rest of the region. So you kind of expect to see them get in towards match play, but it'll make for just a, a diverse field for stroke play at the very least. It'll make for some exciting TV too. I think they're in three team pairings for the first two rounds. So tech is seeded 10th, the 10th championship seed. They will be with Texas A&M and Stanford for their first two rounds. I don't have the full, seed list in front of me unfortunately but what do you make of that draw and what do you make of, of that pairing it's 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 stroke play in the ncaa's i honest not to say that um say that the pairing doesn't really matter but i i, I would say that the the more important like takeaway in terms of in terms of format in terms of you know getting getting to what's next. Uh, I think it's much more important for them just to, to be in the mix for that top 16, um, to be in the mix, um, to get to those quarterfinals because that, it's match play. And, and we kind of talked about this when we talked about the ACC championship, but this, uh, the ACC championship and then the NCAA is interesting because there's not a ton of, like pure match play golf um, in the regular season. It's a lot of stroke play and, you know, you got to switch from one mentality, which is very different. You know, every stroke counts in stroke play to match play where you're trying to win holes. And it, it's just a, it's a fundamental difference there. Right. So it, it's very interesting to, to switch that, um, that format in the middle of it after the cut at, uh, I think it's day two or day three. I don't know. There's a lot of golf. They, I hope they like golf because they're going to be doing a lot of it. <laughs> Jack, what do you have on that draw? Uh, I did count back to the geography thing. There was 15 Southeastern teams by my count. Also from what I consider Southeastern schools, which excludes Oklahoma and Texas. Um, <laughs> for now. So, <laughs> for now. For, yeah. For now. I say that I'm like, well, 2025 beckons, but for now. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, 
yeah, that does do that. So, uh, I mean, so at least teams we're familiar with, I would assume it to some extent, because we play our the local teams every of course. Um, I mean, it's it's all of it's a feel thing. I mean, to harken back to to the PGA and just what I noticed from that and what applies to golf in general, it's like you can be damn good, but if you just are off on the wrong foot too early, then you're just done. Um, and that I mean that was the case for Kepka this week uh, and a few other just a lot, a lot of notables just don't make it uh, just because they just can't find the fairway for whatever reason, or they're just not reading putts. And so I don't know. I mean, it, I, the big thing I would do is just like, like go to that Kucher center and just do nothing, but just live there. Like they should set up sleeping mats over there and just live there for the next couple of days uh, and think of nothing else. So that once they get to where they going, Scottsdale, I mean, like that's all that's on their heads. Um, so not to the point where it's going to emotionally crush them, but uh, still, just emotional preparation. Where... Emotional preparation is all part of the process. Yes, yeah, and and I mean these guys. I mean they they've they've done this a long time, and they're they know how good they are because I mean I think this the uh, the Columbus part proved they know they know how good they are. So, and I want to actually double back to what you mentioned about them proving how good they are in Columbus. I'm not really double back, but at least segue. Uh, Georgia Tech Golf on their Twitter account has uh, retweeted some interesting stats. Uh, first off, from uh, Lance Ringler. Actually, both of these were from Golf Week's Lance Ringler, uh, ranking the NCAA D1 men's regionals according to the Golf Week uh, and Sagarin team power ratings. The Columbus Regional was first at 70 70, followed by Stockton, Palm Beach, Norman, New Haven, and Bryan. And then if you go by individual power ratings, uh, Columbus was still first at 71-37, followed by Palm Beach, Bryan, Norman, New Haven, and Stockton. So interesting to see how how competitive that was and just how good Tech was able to ex- – or how well Tech was able to execute in such a competitive environment given, you know, given how co- – those ratings. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that says it pretty well right there. Like, they excelled. Uh, I mean, that could be an argument that, you know, Tech and Oklahoma State just blew away the competition by enough that it was like, you know, of course it was going to be really good. But that being said, they they hung with one of the best teams that they're going to see uh, the rest of the way. So if they can do that, I think it just shows that they can they can win on any given day. Yeah. And I mean, they have what, four or five days of golf ahead of them uh, this yeah. coming week and weekend. So We'll see. I think this is this is it for Tech in terms of NCAA title chances here. So, um, and they have a really good one, admittedly. Yeah. So it's a like I said, thirty team field. They got to make it to match play, and then they got to seal the deal. So, what? Where do you? Th- how do you think this will shake out, Jack? Let's go to go to you first, just to finish up. Uh, let's say they were what eleventh ranked going in and played this to the same level as Oklahoma's state with the comeback as well which i guess speaks to a their ability to rally but also their ability to be kind of far behind at the same time uh yeah so at a 30 i mean i mean it's golf i never heard of mito Pereira this week and then was like oh my goodness now i'm invested in this man seeing him win a pga championship didn't but that also speaks to who the hell knows uh because it is golf uh so I would, I think making the cuts absolutely going to be is a reasonable expectation, uh, and getting to those last couple days, 
um, and then just whatever leftover magic is there. Anyone but Texas. Let me just say that anyone but Texas and Oklahoma. That, that I'll just I'll just leave it there. They've won championships recently enough. I know Texas won one in golf at some point, and they got people in the pros. And Oklahoma won the softball. So let, just anyone but them. I mean, I would uh, add one more school to that list, but that is a personal. Oh yeah, sorry. Well, we don't have to mention them. I feel like that was assumed. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Jake, what do you got before we wrap up here? Yeah, I mean. I, th- I think Jack hit it really well. They uh, they can make up 10 strokes on a top two team in the country on a given night, which they did the second round uh, the other day, but they can also drop 10 back, which is what they did on the first day. So um, when they're all firing, I-, I think they have a as good of a shot as anyone. And that- that's why they play the games, right? Like if it was a done deal, Tech could probably have one of these by now. But, uh, you know, if you're a top 10 team and you got that kind of talent, uh, plus, you know, just the experience that a year brings. Uh, I think it, it's. I'm not writing off baseball yet, but this is this is the shot that the that I think you'd want to look to if you're going to circle one, circle the golf. So, speaking of baseball, let's uh, let's double over there. Let's talk about the Georgia Tech baseball team. They swept Pitt last weekend to end their regular season. It was a nice little sweep, nice nice and tidy. Really badly needed wins in terms of of NCAA tournament positioning and also in terms of ACC tournament positioning. They will be the seventh overall seed in the ACC tournament in Pool B along with number two, Louisville, and number 11, Pitt. We'll talk about the tournament in a bit, but uh, Jack, I want to talk to you first about this sweep of Pitt. How much were you able to watch, and what did you glean from it? I gleaned that Chandler Simpson is fast as crap. That's what I gleaned. I mean, that was so – I, I retweeted the, the clip of that and was like, this kid's is why you always hustle on the diamond with zero exceptions and someone on the baseball Twitter liked that because they liked the tweet. But I mean, if you analyze that the center fielder just threw a moonshot to the cutoff and it just did not care about getting that ball in. Uh, and Chandler saw that. And it was like that one of my favorite things. There was a lot of great things this weekend. And that was by far up there with one of my favorite things I saw this weekend in just terms of pure baseball stuff, how you play the game, right. Uh, and taking advantage of, just the little, the little mental errors that you get taught in T-ball to not make. Yeah, and I think this is something we've seen with Georgia Tech teams recently, right? They've been more aggressive on the base pats as, as yeah. soon as James Ramsey came in. They've been more aggressive on the base pats. Justin Henry, Henry Malloy last year did this all the time, right? And it's been really, um, really fun to see Chandler Simpson just kind of go out there and, you know, take his base they're not they're not giving it to him he's coming out and taking no it. that was not a gift at all i mean like they still they still had the throw he had to really chug it down the third baseline to get that um I, i'm so sad that they don't have dirt on that field because that dirt stain would have been legendary yes <laughs> yeah uh, aforementioned <laughs> turf field instead you got the nice like road rash turf burn yeah oh, god i don't want to so imagine bad. that the, the uh, I, I just went back. I, I retweeted the thing too. I was like, this is one of the best things I've ever seen. But because I was really curious if James Ramsey was waving him through and just the angle that got tweeted out, it only really shows kind of like the once Chandler Simpson, Ramsey only comes into frame. Sorry. Uh, once Chandler Simpson is like more than halfway down the third baseline. So like 
I, again, shame on me. I was I was out and about on Saturday doing stuff because it was a Saturday in Atlanta. I was not watching ESPN Plus. But like, I would love to know if James Ramsey, like we said, uh, we've definitely gotten more aggressive on the base pads. Uh, and that was going to be one of the big selling points on, on the concept of adding Chandler Simpson in the lineup. But like, it, it, they're a team, right? Like Ch- Chandler's not looking behind his shoulder to try and figure out where that ball is. He is going and like he didn't miss a beat so my my uh presumption is that's something that can uh especially if that was by design maybe they've been sitting on for a while i think that's something that could help us uh, especially in the postseason when when every run is good um and you know just getting a run across the board really does matter and that's what that speed tool is for and honestly after years of playing louisville and them just running on us at will I think this is a delightful change for us to have that uh, that speed tool, particularly uh, mm-hmm. from Chandler, and even even a guy like Kevin Parada, who's Tech's most prodigious power hitter of all time. Like he's got some wheels too. Like it, they're they're not a slow lineup. They they can get around no. the bases pretty 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 well. Not a bad lineup at all, uh, considering their All ACC award allotment too. Uh, your first team all ACC participants from Georgia Tech, Kevin Parada, Andrew Jenkins, Chandler Simpson, the aforementioned Chandler Simpson, the second team, uh, Tim Board in the second, Tris Gonzalez, and third team, Stephen Reed. So what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six. Six of the, <laughs> what is it? The nine-player lineup? Two-thirds, uh, two-thirds of the starting nine? Two-thirds of the starting nine are all, are all ACC uh, by the way, Kevin Parada gets absolutely robbed of the P, uh, Player of the Year uh, award. By the way, I have some yeah. some loser from Clemson got it. I don't know what's going on there at the ACC head office, but the guy broke the school home run record. He leads the nation in a bunch of categories. He leads the conference in a bunch of categories and offensive categories. And I don't know. The ACC is bizarre uh, as always. Um, tacking on to Player of the Year and player of the, you know, period awards. Andrew Jenkins also collected a player of the week award uh, for his performance uh, in Pittsburgh. So lots of, lots of traffic on the award circuit this week for this team. They haven't had the most consistent of years, but I think they've had such high expectations and have been so awarded in the past that, you know, they're getting their just desserts, even if, you know, playing a, honestly a schedule that has proved, uh, even more challenging than I think we thought it would be at the beginning of the year hasn't necessarily always led to marquee. This team is, you know, top 10, whatever material they're still in the D one top 25. They've had marquee series. It's just been, you know, uh, a, a, an interesting year. And, you know, the guys who have really contributed um, and I think it's not a coincidence that it's a lot of our offense uh, are getting some really well-deserved rewards because with without without the success that they've had i i can't imagine where this team would be so yeah would you guys call the, this team right now the atlanta hawks of the acc in so all far offense, as there's like all offense no defense middling seven seed in the tournament yeah i i, I think i vibe with with that call i i could agree yeah so are you implying that our ceiling is the Eastern Conference Finals? Because I I dig that. That no, that's sorry. Omaha, that, hey, that, that was a that was a five seed team. Uh, that <laughs> no, our, our our ceiling our ceiling is a uh, just getting yoked by Virginia in this case. 
<laughs> I mean, okay. I, this does lead right into the tournament, um, the tournament talk, the ACC tournament talk with the tech, like I said, is a seventh overall seed. Um, Pitt, Louisville are the other ones in pool B. Um, tech will play Pitt on Tuesday. So that's tomorrow at 11 a.m. Eastern on the RSN. Why these games are on the RSN is beyond me. But anyway, uh, and then the second game is uh, versus Louisville on Thursday, same time, same place. So I think UVA was in pool C. I had this bracket in front of me and it's, it's been lost time. I I was going to say, I just am excited to see us square up against Louisville, not because I like getting heckled by my family, but more because they've always been an interesting series since they've gotten into the conference for us and, and we didn't face them this year. So should make for interesting baseballing, especially as the Atlantic division champions, which, I don't know about you guys, but I did not have them pen- penciled in in the Atlantic to to begin the year. I don't. I this conference is so bizarre when it comes to baseball because it, and I think we saw this this year, and we've talked about this a couple of times, Jake. But any given week, this conference eats itself alive on the weekend, and it's mm-hmm. it is absurd how much parity there is, and they're getting rewarded for that in the polls, right? Like. There are four top 10 teams right now in the, in the coaches bowl, like the, uh, uh, like the fancy fancy ACC website likes to mention, but all of those conference records are, are not good. <laughs> no, no, they're, they're all terrible. They're really stellar. 500. Everyone's in and around 500. Everyone's just like, oh, okay, you know, but, we're, we're surviving. We're not thriving here. But again, I, I think it speaks to the value of the league one um, that, D1 baseball is projecting the ACC to have 11 bids to the SEC's nine. I know that there are other conferences out there, but that's the obvious measuring stick. It's a really deep quality conference top down. And then the fact of the matter is, yes, Boston College is is out of contention and Syracuse doesn't field a team. But in terms of uh, in terms of teams that are doing pretty well, you got Notre Dame, who's uh, the top seed in the D poll. They're, they're fourth overall, and quite honestly, probably the team most had penciled in to win the Atlantic. Uh, and you've got Pitt in the mix for for a tournament bid, tournament bid too. So it's not like the having a lot of exposure to the North is dragging us down. And then you got Louisville, uh, who's up there too, and and is a real perennial, um, you know, tournament. Uh, not Louisville, <laughs> Omaha, you know, the Louisville of Nebraska. Um, uh, just a, a really high caliber team, but, but with Louisville and Virginia being at Virginia tech, sorry, being at the top, um, uh, they've really supplemented, you know, the, the Miami's, the Georgia techs, uh, Clemson in a relatively down year for Clemson, Florida state, a, a team that I think everyone had higher hopes for who came in ninth in the conference, like the ACC having dips from some or relative dips from some major powers. I say relative dip and, and, you know, half those teams that I just listed are still in the top 25. Um, like it, it's, it's kind of the anti-football, if anything, ACC baseball just became the ACC basketball, uh, of, of the conference. And I don't, uh, that obviously is a rambly nonsensical mess, but like, tell me if there's any league where there's this much parody and this much effectiveness, uh, um, and relevance on the national scale. Cause I, I don't think there is. Yeah. I think the, the latter bit is what makes it meaningful. Right. It's that they are it's it's there is so much parity and it's getting respected on uh-huh. the national scale. Whereas you see, 
you, you don't have the Pac-12 situation, um, the Pac-12 football situation where a bunch of the teams are, you, you know, those are a bunch of good teams, but they're all beating each other on every Saturday and not really making it competitive on the, in, in terms of, you know, the national discourse uh, of that, those top four teams, or even, and, and you put this in the chat and in our show notes, the, uh, the ACC basketball of, of 21, 22, right. They're not beating. They maybe they're not, um, you know, they're not doing so hot in conference play, but then once they go into the tournament, they've played such a difficult conference schedule and that they're able to just grind out results. So um, it's a really interesting draw. It's a really interesting way that this, this conference is set up. Jack, I want to kick it over to you first. Uh, Jake talked a lot about Louisville and how they match up, but I want to hear a little bit more about Pitt uh, and what you're looking for after they've played, after these teams have played three games and Tech has swept them, what, what you're looking for tomorrow. Uh, I'm looking for just, I mean, more of the same. I mean, my goodness, it, after Jenkins' home run on Friday, it was that there was no beating us at all. And that was with some sketchy pitching at times. I mean, Chance was not looking his best. Zach Maxwell had a couple dicey at-bats, uh, wasn't finding the zone with his fastball, which is the basis of pitching. Find the zone with throw strikes. That's what I said two weeks ago. Just throw strikes. Like, that's how you solve all the problems. Um, and we were still walking, guys, and we had to get out of some major jams. Pitt got out of some jams, too. I mean, it could have been a lot worse for Pitt, uh, but they, 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 they did what they needed to do. So, I mean, we, we got to find the zone. Uh Though you, you just had you have to limit walks um, and hope the bats just keep doing what they do. Also, to answer your lingering question, Virginia is in pool D with Notre Dame and Florida State, just to tie that loose end. Very, very nice. Jake, let's go over to you. I We talked, like I said, we talked a lot about just how Louisville matches up versus Tech, but what are you looking for? Is there anything you're looking for specifically in that Thursday matchup? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's really going to be a story of limiting as much damage as possible tomorrow, today, for people who, who listen to this on Tuesday, right, when it comes out. Um, because I think you need to go into that Louisville game with as many options, as many weapons as you can. I think that's true of the whole weekend. Um, and, and it's only going to get more true as we get deeper into postseason play. Um, you know, if, if we have an effective pitching matchup, if we have an effective pitching performance, really, from whoever does get the ball, um, Tech step stands a shot, right? There, there is uh, a lineup that can, you know, bludgeon you to death in some not very precise terms. Um, they, they, they're super effective, and it's just a matter of limiting the otherwise damage, if you will, um, and hoping for the best. It's, it's weird to say that a lot of this team's remaining schedule and, and whatever happens is built on hope and luck, but you know, we, we've seen John Medich uh, pitch a gem on the way to beating number three, Miami. And we've seen, um, you know, uh, it's a lot of other really great one-off performances, but those same guys, like it, it, it just hasn't been consistent. So there, there is at least in my book, a level of, you know, just hope the cards come up right for pitching and, and, and the rest of the way you got to, you got to take advantage of, of some good hitting when you've got it. Cause Louisville's got arms, Louisville's got bats and Louisville's got speed. So you have to have, you have to be effective in both facets of the game. If you want to win that game and with them being the, the number one in the pool, you, you gotta, you gotta win both. That's just what it's going to take. 
Can't let it go to the tiebreaker. So to finish up on baseball, Jake, I'm going to come back to you. Give me your prediction on how far Georgia Tech goes in this tournament. Because by the time we record next, this tournament will be completely over. Well, I mean, I like to think I'm the podcast optimist is not true as that can be at a lot of times, but um, I'm not going to predict us to lose to Louisville. I, I like, I think we need to be, be pit. We just saw that we can do that with various levels of domination from barely winning to crushing. Uh, it's like bedlam, you know, so we need a bedlam result. And then you've got, uh, then you've got to beat Louisville. Like I, I think tech, just doesn't have the arms maybe to get all the way to the championship, but they've proved me wrong before. So I hope they do this year too. Jack, how about you? I think we'll beat Pitt. I'm not concerned about that six game winning streak, five of those on the road. Um, so they're comfortable playing I mean, right now. They're play, they're comfortable playing outside of home, which is good. Uh, and also resetting all the arms, which is well, most of the arms at this point, which is crucial. Um, and so we, we, it gets into play. It becomes playoff baseball. You put, you yank the guys when you have to, you put the guys in, you, you just make different kinds of moves. So at the very least it'll be entertaining as heck if it's a tight game, uh, especially against Louisville. Cause I mean, if we get into that situation where it's like, Oh no, we have to start Tucker Davidson or someone crazy like that. Who's pitched two games in their lifetime in the world series, something weird like that. At the very least you're in for good tell good morning television during work. But uh, yeah, I think we'll get through Pitt, Louisville, uh, yeah, it's, I'll, I'll defer to what Jake said on that. He knows better about Louisville than I do. Um, all my pit knowledge has come from watching them suck over the last weekend. <laughs> hey, you, you got the most relevant recent recent results, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I do want to toss in that I think the most interesting pool, as it seems to be most years, is Pool D. Um, the 4-5 matchup is always really interesting to watch. We've seen Virginia be a top five team uh, for chunks of the year. We've seen Notre Dame have a lot of expectations. Um and then Florida State, which a lot of people did see during times this year as a as a top ten team. So I, I think that's going to be if your if your eyes aren't on the Louisville Pitt GT pool, uh, D is definitely going to be one to watch as well. Absolutely, but enough about ACC pool play. Let's move on to the other type of stickball diamond. Georgia Tech softball made its first NCAA tournament appearance since 2012 this weekend in Gainesville Florida the Gainesville regional also featured Florida the aforementioned Florida um Canisius Canisius I'm never gonna pronounce yeah. that properly uh and then Wisconsin Florida obviously the one uh Canisius the four Georgia Tech the two and Wisconsin the three as is per tradition that two three matchup was first up tech gutted out a 2-1 win versus wisconsin they advanced to a 1-0 game versus florida but before we get there and talk about that result jake i want to kick this over to you what did you think about that first round that opening round win well i thought it was kind of ridiculous that espn wouldn't start all of the streams at the same time but we were really fortunate that uh we did have a spanish broadcast uh, of our game so um you know, got to brush off my high school Spanish. I thought uh, Georgia Tech played kind of the game we said that they needed to play in order to win. Um, they needed to keep Wisconsin runs off the board. They needed Nelman to come out with a monster start. And I mean, that was that was a gutty performance, uh, both, both sides of the ball. Uh, we've seen Tech choke away leads late uh, a lot, even this weekend. We can talk about the second Wisconsin game in just a second. But um, 
you know, they, they kept runs off the board when they needed to. And uh, when you strike out nine of, I guess, Wisconsin's 21 outs, like that's, they're not going to, if they're not putting balls in play and you're not walking them, they're not going to score runs. And, and I think that's exactly what we saw uh, Friday. I, I will know, however, Tech did have a lot of trouble with their bats in that game. I mean, it's only two runs. Um, that's not necessarily output that we've been used to seeing from them over the last couple of weeks. So, uh, Jack, any thoughts on this one before we move on? We got to get out with uh, getting a win was critical. Also, we just keep playing Wisconsin and things. They're not in the ACC, but we just play them in every in more than one sport. This, this, like we played them in men's basketball too. Was there something else we played them in as well? But beyond this, or am I crazy? Volleyball? Maybe. Nope. Nope. Didn't get through to no. vo- volleyball. They no. they played Louisville in the, in yeah. the final four. Mm. But um, I mean, we're circ- we're just circling them. It's weird. Like that. I mean, yeah, I get the ACC Big Ten kind of relationship that exists, but it's just like we're getting a lot of this team. Also, they're in the Gainesville Regional. Like there was a lot of other ones closer by. But anyways, that, that's a that's a detour. Uh, no, I, I, yeah, I think you're both right. Like, now, also, Nelvin threw a lot of pitches in that first game too. Like, she was, yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm kind of not surprised that it that we kind of lost it in, in the when we did lose to them because of just how much we threw her. I mean, then how just how wild the day with Florida was. Like, how no one was going to be 100 percent the next day, even Spoilers, if you were. Spoilers, come on, we're we're getting there. We're working I know, our way I know, towards but this. It's a process. It's all related. But yeah, no, I think the, yeah, the guttiness of the win was great. Uh, improved. It's like okay, at least made us think. I think at that moment, so it's like okay, we can pull something off like this. It's at least something against Florida, but like you have to take it up to the level to stop their bats, and we would have just we had to hit. But other things happen. Yeah, so Tech moves on to that one zero game versus Florida, who really just like run rolled uh, Canisius. I think that was a ten one win. Florida did something similar, a 7-1 win here for Florida, but it came after like a three-something hour rain delay. Every game had a three-hour rain delay on Saturday. It was, it was a rid- every sport had this. It was a ridiculous day of rain delays. Uh, this game had to be suspended, I think, with one out, uh, with one uh, with one out gone in the top of the third. I think Florida was up two zero. Uh, and then when they came back, they fin- they got in three more innings or two or three more innings and then had another rain delay and then finished up um, and Florida had taken a 7-1 lead by the end of it. Uh, Jack, I want to start with you first on this one. What did you see um, in this one that you found interesting? I mean, beyond the result and beyond, you know, the rain, the three hour rain delay. I was committed to, uh, to be honest, I watched none of this game because I was committed to Atlanta United's rain delay and, and that that night. Uh, but, I mean, I'm not surprised we also lost to Florida because I knew how good they were. Um, I kind of imagine we we're going to have to battle back afterwards. So, I mean, I, I was not surprised to say the least um, and then how that probably affected us because we had to go through the rain delay and Wisconsin did not. So, yeah, they were just chilling at their – hotel or whatever they got to sleep through the storms it's uh not that oh they came back and played that game late for that that uh, a limb game well yeah sure they had to play later that night but they at least didn't have to play for six hours or at least be in game mode for six hours yep 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 i i agree with that one um it's almost the thought of 
whether you'd rather play, I guess you don't want to get eliminated <laughs> in the first game, but uh, going from opening game to the one Oh game where you have to play presumably the other best team in the region. Yeah. And then having to bounce back and play presumably a team that's either hot or the other, the, the next best team in the region versus lose play, play the four seed and then, you know, throw, whoever you've got left. But I, I suppose that's really kind of over, over analyzing the situation. Obviously the, the goal is just win baby and, and play three games. Yeah. But. Now, now the two spot in a double elimination tournament, isn't the greatest. Uh, or we, we were the, yeah. Cause you, yeah. You, if we, Cause you're not playing the number one seed. So you're not knocking them off. Uh, you're mm-hmm. not getting them down to the bracket. So you're likely still going to face a fresh number one seed. Mm-hmm. And having to just do the extra work to get there, and then you still have to beat them twice, like that's just a sucky spot to be in. Uh, knowing you're good, if you get the, if you, if you, you just got to pray the four seed pulls off something. And obviously, this was not a four seed that was gonna do much. So, yeah. So that brings us very nicely to the one-one elimination game. Wisconsin makes another appearance. They win big versus uh, Canisius in the late game on Saturday. That was like a 10 p.m. first pitch that went until midnight uh, in Gainesville. Wisconsin wins this elimination game and moves on to the to the regional final by a score of 7-6. to six. Wisconsin was up 2-0 early. I think those two homers came in the top of the second. Bottom second, of the I second. Think, yeah. Bottom of the yeah. second. Um but Tech put up six runs in the middle innings uh, to take control, and we're coasting for a bit. Uh, but then, in the last two innings, they dropped, you know, five runs and got walked off. Um, Jake, I'm going to throw this one over to you first for this one. What were your thoughts on this game? I know we caught bits and pieces of it while we were doing stuff. Um, early on Sunday, but what were your thoughts on this and how did you think it went? Yeah, I, uh, I was, um, busy with my usual Sunday morning commitment for a decent chunk of the game, but tech almost got out of it, um, at the end, uh, to, to their credit, despite, you know, uh, a very, very, very shaky start to the inning, uh, getting two outs was, was solid, but at, at the end of the day, honestly, not that it played out like our, I think our worst collective fears would have been. I, I do still think it's fair to say that this was kind of the classic game that Tech loses against a similar team. Uh, Notre Dame comes to mind of, you know, Tech Tech gets a lead. They've really ridden the same pitching staff all, all year to this point. Uh, they they just need help. Um, but, you know, they, they, gave, they gave it a fight. They, they built up a lead. It's just, uh, I don't know, They're, for a team that only lost uh, – a handful of games this year it's not the most unfamiliar uh result i think we could have seen how that played out so a l- little tough but they made a regional i i not to get too high high order here high um high level but um i think if you were to go back and find whichever episode we previewed their season they met and exceeded our, our expectations a, a comfortable two seed like into the into the NCAA tournament without needing help on ACC tournament weekend. Like that's, I think that's better than I envisioned the season would be. And I think that's, we're going to hold ourselves honest better than we thought this, this would shake out. Yeah, absolutely. Jack over to you. 
this was an interesting pitching performance, right? Because we saw we saw Tech sort of empty the clip in terms of pitchers in this one as soon as their starter had allowed two runs. Do you think that had an effect here, especially late on? Because you'd mentioned Nelliman had already thrown upwards of 200, 250 pitches at this point. Yeah. Didn't Lexi Ray start game three? Was that, was it, she started game three, right? It, I think this was a situation where it was either Ray or Dennis, but I, that does bring up a good point. I don't think we saw Dennis much at all this weekend. And that's interesting considering yeah. how important she, she warmed was. up in game one. I know she warmed up in game one. Uh, but never came out because it was the that. same thing. It was the same thing in game two because it, it looked like Nelliman was going to get pulled after putting two on with no outs. And one of those innings before the rain delay, Dennis was warming up and then Nelliman gets out of the inning and we don't see, we don't hear from Dennis until the rest of the game. I think Ray comes in late. So yeah, I don't, we, I don't think we heard of any injury stuff or anything i mean she was warming up both of the times it's not like she was unhealthy so weird weird pitching situation there yeah the pitching stuff was weird i will note it's important we won that first game because getting to the third game allowed trisha awald to get her 52nd walk of the year which got her the program single season record over uh amy hosier uh wait did i say the name right yes no maybe yes amy hosier so that uh that was uh 16 year old record no I don't know. It was set in 2006, so an old record's gone now. Uh, so, the the win was the win was key in that respect. So I'm glad Trisha got that. Had the discipline to get to that point. So, uh, yeah, no, I mean, our notes say inauspicious time for Nelva to have her worst weekend of the year. I mean, it's like I wouldn't call it her worst though. Like we still won well, the, 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 the I, NCAA I think this game. Was, I think this was a little bit uh, spicy of a take because the first game was fine. Yeah, the it long. Think, it was long, but it was fine. Like it wasn't out of the. I mean, it was maybe a little out of the norm, but it's like it's not like Nelliman hasn't done that though. Yeah, it, it it's not like she hasn't thrown 130 pitches, 100 like in a in a game. Like yeah. that's not yeah. the that that's not the problem. But I think between the rain delay and between some high a bunch of high leverage innings in both of the in the Florida and the Wisconsin game, I think that just kind of ran out of steam and you had yeah. a situation where pitching management was just not well executed there. Yeah. I hope Aileen, yeah. I hope, I hope coach Morales has some, uh, some transfer portal poll to just grab some graduate graduate pitchers or something that's got their COVID year to like do something like that. I don't know, because if, if we get pitching depth, if we have pitching depth this year, this team is wildly different. And yeah, I, I don't know where we, I don't know if we land as a one seed in this or uh, just a better two seed and we don't have to play Florida or something, but regardless like that, we're stuck with two pit, three pitchers all year. Like that's, that's rough. Yes. It's softball. It's a little bit different from baseball, but okay. Jake, stop waving your hands. What's up? What's up? What's up? Jack, this was way better than it used to be. That's the amazing thing. I don't know. I know it's great. I know it's great. I'm not trying to like, like, you know, like come at you, but like, no, I, no, I, I know, like, I know. I watched this team and I was like, we have two credible options. <laughs> I could cry. I could cry between Chandler Dennis and Blake Nelliman. Like, yeah. it was like, yeah. like we struck gold. That, it, yeah. it was amazing. But you're, but the, the fact of the matter is you're completely right. If we want to be competing and not be the seventh seed in the ACC, if we want to be competing and not be uh, a, one of these, it's like, yes, softball has more parity now than it used to, but like, yeah, you need, either like two 
amazing shutdown. You will win the game options on the mound or in the circle. Sorry. Yeah. I played baseball for 12 years. Like that's just what happens. Or you need a more comprehensive staff. And I will say, I do have um, somewhat uh, of good news. I think in in terms of just looking over uh, last fall's um, signing class, uh, it, it, it does seem like, like there is help coming in terms of just general talent catcher, uh, first baseman. We, we are in need of a first baseman because Trisha, she out, um, and second base and a really quality outfielder as well. Uh, Paige Vukadinovic, uh, is a name that I've, I've seen, uh, a lot with, you know, having a sister who's similarly aged in the softball circuit, but, um, like in, in terms of pitching, you're right. Like we need to go to the portal, but I believe, even though Lexi Ray is out, Nelliman has at least one more year of eligibility. And then uh, Chandler Dennis uh, was a junior when, when she transferred from Michigan. So not all is lost, but, you know, you, you look around the rest of the ACC. Yes, Dukes, Peyton, St. George, she's out. But like Florida State, they recruit well every year. Clemson, the franchise that, that – uh, What's her face? Valerie Cagle. Old Valerie Cagle. I've, I've called her the franchise for so long that, you know, she'll, <laughs> she'll be at her, what, fifth year at Clemson, but only a junior in eligibility or whatever it is. Like, oh like goodness. all, all these other hurts. programs are, are, yeah, by the time she leaves, she'll have been there for like six years because they didn't have a softball team for the first year or two. Um, or no, COVID was the other year. Sorry. Anyways, all these other teams are just reloading. Like Louisville's yeah. not going to stand still in the same neighborhood. North Carolina state's not going to stand still. UNC has been down for a couple of years, but they're not going to just, you know, yeah, they're not going to stay down there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I, I think to truly make a difference, we're going to need to find like as scary as it is, like Blake Nelman's not going to be around forever. We need to find a new ACE at some point. Yeah. Now's the time. Like go, go find some pitching. Like that's, that's the answer really. Like the bats yeah. are going to be fine and that they've shown that they can recruit that. It's really about building yeah. a more fleshed out staff behind Nelman and behind Dennis. And I, I think acknowledge, go ahead. Go ahead. Joe. I do want to acknowledge your point. It's like, yeah, yeah. This team was great for the first time in a while. I did make a list of best season since teams. It's like, okay, they finally made a leap this year. And it was like, it was softball, women's basketball, men's swimming, I guess lacrosse, if you want to count that uh, volleyball. <laughs> and just as a whole, like we had a, really good year and baseball i guess technically has a shot to still get there and golf if things go right ncas wise um like this could be half our programs like legitimately making leaps in the same year Mm -hmm. which is wild considering during the fall we were just crying every weekend (laughs) well it's also really interesting because two two what three years ago it was four almost four years ago now in 2018 during an episode of the, the todd stansbury podcast we submitted a question that was like, okay, well, all of these non-revenue sports teams are kind of in the, like, they're kind of wavering around mediocre. The football team is going through a transition year. The basketball yeah. team is also wavering around mediocre. What is the, what is the plan forward? Like, how are you planning to improve uh, tech standing in, in the director's cup? And now we're looking at it four years later, almost four full academic years later. Right. And there have been substantial gains, regardless of whether that's spending, that's recruiting. Each of those programs, I think you could say, has had a substantial increase in quality. Uh, and this, it's really this, notable. This is where I will be the most ardent defender of Todd Stansbury and him laying out a very clear mission. Because 
yeah, you, you can fault him for, for Jeff Collins and the football program not being up to historical expectations because right now that is his number one hire and they are not delivering. But in terms of hiring, he hired Nell Fortner, who has blown everyone's ex- expectations out of the water from Her the act jump. Three of, might be amazing. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. From, from the jump, like straight up. They, they, she took a program that was here and trending downward hard and immediately put it here with just the stuff she already had and half of the talent from the year before. Straight For those up. not on the Zoom, Jake went from his chin to the top of his forehead when he said from here yes. to up there. Podcasting, as always, has been a visual medium. It's a visual medium. Uh, <laughs> but like, and then you have Eileen Morales, who he also hired. And that was like, hmm, like this is the year, time to show results. And what did she do? She showed results after a slow build. I think COVID, you could argue, you know, may have funked up the timeline just a little bit in there. It, 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 that, that's, that's life. You, I could hear it both ways. And then obviously Jeff Collins, not exactly working out how we had hoped. But if you took it, you take a look at all the resources that were given to coaches that existed before Todd Stansbury got here. Oh, Christ. I, like, I'm not going down the full list because it's like 12 coaches that are left. But Courtney Sheely Hart and the swim program, they were here before and they are seeing substantially better results. Michelle Collier, yes, that team got robbed in 2016. He had been here for like a week. Uh, but like, she's turned that into a capital P program. Bruce Hepler has not missed a beat. You know, they're they're back in the mix this year after, after a little bit of a reload year um, in 2021. But that's life. That's fine. And even last year, they still made it to match play. They still did. In, in they the still NCAA championship. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. like, and in then you got Pastner. You got Pastner, who he inherited, who for all of his flaws, and people have been not that kind to him this year, he won an ACC championship in basketball. Asterix or not, we he were did one, win it. In basketball. Well, we, were one, we were one accidental COVID case away from probably the second round, too, of the uh, I, March Madness. Or more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like that's, Moses Wright, you had no idea. No, yeah. And 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 it shows how important Moses and Jose Alvarado, you know, getting old and staying old. And we've unboxed that a million times. But like Passner said, Todd, here's my plan. Todd bought in and supported him. AI 2020 blew away its funding goals. Like, yeah, other people are bringing in more money and making more facilities investments. But I mean, honestly, Todd Stansbury is doing the efficient uh, Paul Johnson in football, but for the rest of the athletic program, doing more with less in a way that I don't think it's heralded enough just because he made a a risky football hire that even at the time that it was made, like it didn't necessarily seem like a bad one either. It just like sometimes they just don't work and for reasons in and out of control of people. And I think that, you know, the, the interest level, at least in, in my experience as the non-rev guy, like that, that's what I've, this is the beat I've lived on for six years. I get more clicks. I get more like comments and likes and just more people in general that we know from like non-scientific, just like life are more interested in volleyball, women's basketball, baseball, softball, golf, swimming, tennis than they've ever been before at least in, in, in my experience. And I don't know if that's Jack, honestly, you've been a fan longer than me or Akshay uh, of this team. Like, but it, it seems like outside of football and, and arguably men's basketball, everything else is at a very high level of conscience in a way that it hasn't been in a long time. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I kind of noticed I part of why I was really committed to the women's basketball beef for the technique last year was like, okay, like that the early early season, like, okay, they're good. Like this isn't this may not be a fluke. Like they were sweet sixteen last year. Yeah. Uh, like like I went to, like I was I, I watched their I went to, I was at McCamish during like the watch party when they lost to South Carolina. I was like, mm-hmm. even then it was just like I don't know maybe like they made a massive comeback against S- SF Austin. Uh, to know that like okay they can be losing to a bad team but figure it out kind of stick that like really good pro teams do. Uh, to not lose the games you're not supposed to lose. Um, and it certainly was competitive for a hot second there. Um, and so like just sticking with them this year, was just like, okay, no, these are like, these are the guys like, or the, or the gals in, in this, in that case of like, no, these are the ones that are like actually bringing real success to campus uh, and showing what good teamwork is like, showing what healthy programs look like. Uh, and just, it just, it also just helped with the exposure. I mean, we had 4,200 people at the UConn game. In part because a it was UConn and also there was there, our, there was a Winder Georgia native playing uh, for UConn in that game so like there was some there was some non non tech reasons but it still the people came out. Uh, the Braves did their World Series trophy tour during a women's basketball game and not during a men's game mm-hmm. uh, in a absolutely phenomenal game against Notre Dame where Olivia Miles she's going to be WNBA ready now if if they let them come out of college after a year. Um, Oh, that's going to be a problem the next few years. Oh yeah, we're I I cannot wait for our games against them this coming year. But all that to say, between all the other sports and volleyball, I mean, heck, I mean, my goodness, we're so close with volleyball. We're so close, Uh, and we still got Bergman, and we've got Bertolino to basically replace Brambilla. Like, I mean, we are looking great in everything but football, which is okay. Like, we can be the the not football school. That's kind of fixed. That kind of fits what tech is now too. Like we are not, I mean, depending on where you, if you're a new student coming to tech, where you go and like who you interact with, like you're going to see very different parts of what tech can be. But if you take, I think if you just take tech as a whole, like it's not the kind of place that's just like football or die. Like that's, it's not, it's not that kind of place. It's the other weird niches and we have those niches and we're good at those niches, which is great because that means we can, create some momentum to really uplift them be like hey no this is what we're good at it's okay if we are eight and eight sometimes yeah. let's let's win everything else and just be like yeah beat us we don't care about football <laughs> i mean i think there's there's always going to be some amount of uh you know caring and, and and desire for quality but at the end of the day things come in in their time and in their way so whatever yeah. that winds up being like that's it's I think it's silly, and Akshay and I kind of mutually agreed on this during last football season. It's like, why waste the oxygen complaining about something you can't fix instead of celebrating all the good? And and I think this yeah. spring and and you know watching volleyball last win, uh, last fall, uh, you know women's basketball over the winter, like it it's really been the goal to just celebrate what's been good and, and acknowledge what's been good. And and right now softball met and exceeded our expectations golf is meeting and will likely exceed our expectations baseball you know they're not going to host a regional but they're they're playing their way into a tournament and you know that's that's more than that's more than we can say about the state of the program when we certainly than when we started this podcast i would say i will my last word on this is mutually agreed is a very polite way to uh, summarize 
exactly how we had that conversation. I will say, and I'm going to leave it. I'm going to le- let that one linger. Uh, but we have, we do have to move on. We have a couple more items to get to. Uh, but I, that is a conversation that I do want to save for an off-season episode as well, because we have what, like, twelve weeks of no content to fill. We will, we'll get there. Uh, let's head over to Ken Byers Tennis Complex. Well, technically not Ken Byers this week. Uh, they are at the Con Outdoor Tennis Complex at uh, Illinois Urbana champagne for the ncaa singles championships for the men and women uh, on the women's side carol lee dispatched maria Tatova of kansas in straight sets six three six two and on the men's side andres martin uh defeated dijon from pepperdine uh on a tiebreaker in the first set so seven six and then a six four second set both of them will advance to the second round before we go into those pairings those matchups and also the doubles matchups which were posted at least for the women's side Jake I want to kick this over to you what do you make of these two results yeah uh, I think it's solid way to start um, especially uh, for Andres Um, I I think it it was a tough year for men's tennis in a way that it wasn't necessarily the same uh, situation for for the women Uh, and and I think you know, Andres is a top 10 player and, and I would certainly hope and expect that he gets deeper into this tournament. That being said, extremely talented, great start and eager to see what he, him and Marcus do in the doubles, because I mean that too, they, they have a, a shot, albeit perhaps an outside one uh, of, of running all the way uh, to the ship. So we'll see, we'll have to see what plays out. Uh, Jack over to you. And also, Give us a little bit about what you think the ceiling is for both of these, uh, both of these singles participants. I just looked at the the our Andres's bracket, and he is in the number one seed quadrant, uh, which obviously isn't the greatest option, uh, just in, in general. Uh, and he's do we do, do we know who won the uh, the match that he's going to play like between the was it Latal was it Latalic and Barry? Been- it hasn't been posted yet. Uh, I think okay. even Martin's match just finished up about an hour ago. So okay. they may still be going. Uh, That'd be on. weird because that match started an hour before Martin's match. <laughs> Bizarre, That's... but entirely possible, I guess. I, I'm looking at live I... stats. Give me one second. Okay. Well, I guess to ramble, I mean, I, in that sense, it's like, okay, well, that sucks. He, he's in that part of the bracket um, if he goes that far. So I, I still, I mean, we know how good Andres is. Um, and so I, I, if he gets through, uh, the second round, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I forgot. I know we talked about this a couple weeks ago in just terms of what expectations were. I think we, we landed like when, if, when you're first, uh, and then anything beyond that's candy or something like that. I, if, if I'm making that up now, cool. Yeah, but. Some, I mean, I mean, I think we both for, at least on the men's tennis side, we were like, okay, well, he makes it to the round of 32. He maybe wins that round of 32 game. And then, you know, yeah. I'm fine so, I mean, I, yeah. So let's Leah. I think that's, that's, that, that'd be a great spot. So I think he's the, the ninth seed in all, in all this, or no, I can't tell that regardless. So, uh, yeah, I think he's the, oh, he's the, well, of course no one can see the bracket I'm looking at, but uh, either way, I, I, yeah, it's round of 32, obviously very winnable. Uh, and then from the, on the women's side, uh, I didn't catch any of this during the weekend of the many things that were going on, but Hey, winning is great. So I'll take that with, with Carol. Uh, and then well, she got a Virginia player. So 
uh, beating inter- beating a conference rival would be quite nice. Uh, just in general, put put one on the put one on the Cavaliers. Oh, I regret oh. to inform you that who she's playing is the uh, who she's slated to play against next is the one uh, is the one seed in that part of the bracket too. So oh. that is an unfortunate draw. That is. For- her Emma Navarro from Virginia is the one seed on that. Uh, Jake's got the um, pairing for Andres Martin, who is Ferry. Do you have a first name on that one? Yeah, Arthur Ferry so, from so, Stanford. Yeah, and and what they do in tennis is they have the one through eight national seeds all spread around the board, and then nine through sixteen get uh, plopped around the rest of the board so basically what fairy is listed as the reason it's unclear is that he is a nine through 16 seed uh so <laughs> um cool. it, it, he's he's a top amazing 16, but, that tennis uh, is so dumb with this yeah andres is a is an unseated then i guess is how you best describe it but yeah he's playing who the the person if you, if you think about the uh Fidelio as, as four quadrants who would be either the third or fourth best uh, seed in the quadrant. Uh, so that'll be tough. And you're right. He, uh, he is in the number one, uh, number one seed division. I do want to check on that though, Ben Shelton to see who his dad is, because uh, I believe we used to have, uh, you know, a, uh, a former coach, you know, national championship winning coach, uh, with the last name of Shelton. So I am looking at that. Give While you one. go there, let's talk about the pairing. Yep, that- it is. Sorry. Update. Yes. Brian, Brian Shelton, uh, won a national te- uh, one text only official national championship, uh, with the women's tennis team. So great. Good, 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 good to see. He went you to, know. I think he, he ended up going to Florida, um, as a coach. Yeah. He switched Florida. from tech. He went to tech, uh, coached the tech women and now he coaches the tech men. And then, oh, he, I thought he went to Florida and then came back. Oh. All right. Well, that yeah. shows how much I know about our coaching staffs. That's probably something for me to learn. Uh, moving on to today's pairings. Well, I guess tomorrow's, but when by the time you listen to this, it'll be today. We talked about what Martin has in front of him on the women's side. Like we said, Carol Lee will face Emma Navarro, the one seed, the one overall seed out of Virginia uh, on Tuesday. And then Lee and Kate Sharabura will face off against Ayumi Miyamoto and Lisa Marie Rio Rue, Rio Rue, anyway, uh, of Oklahoma State uh, in the doubles bracket. That's also tomorrow. And then Ava Farastar and uh, Kylie Bilchev will face Cartley Briggs and Marley Zine of Florida also in the doubles bracket i'm pulling up the men's doubles bracket uh but for now uh jake give me your thoughts on those pairings and uh what you're looking forward to here yeah i mean i'm just looking forward to seeing them back in action i think uh if anything they got a little bit unfortunate with how the whole you know (laughs) uh four three loss to auburn uh went but um i mean honestly I, I just to speak candidly, I don't know a ton about either the folks they'll they'll match up with, so I don't want to put any carts before any horses. But it, it'll be good to see them back in action. It's uh, it, it's something that I think we kind of let slip under the radar just how good um, Carol Lee uh, was in singles this year, uh, and then um, 
yeah, I mean, we, we have two entries in, in the doubles bracket. You can't really complain about that. And doubles, unfortunately, doesn't really get the same weight as singles in, in regular play. So it's tough to have two really great, um, two really great pairings. And, you know, Tech's always had great doubles in general, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do within the confines of the sports rules. And, and Lee and Sherbur are definitely set up in particular to go deep as, as the four seed. Jack, before I let you get in a word here as well, let me announce the men's pairing. They will, uh, Andres Martin and Marcus Daniel will face off against Justin Barkey and Ryan Segerman from Princeton. That will be tomorrow as well. I think, I do not believe that that Princeton team is seeded. So similar situation. Uh, I will note that both the doubles tournaments start off with a round of 32. So the round of 64. So that is an interesting little Quirk, but Jack, what do you got on these pairings? What are you looking forward to as, as tennis keeps playing? Um, what are your thoughts on where they can go? Uh, well, so the Carolee uh, and then uh, Kate Perry, they're the four seed in this whole thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're, we're definitely talking about let's please make a final four. Like this, that, I mean, of all the things we could win, this might be also kind of the one is in terms of just like pure rankings. Uh, You'd also have to get through Emma Navarro again, so that we could have a funny situation where Carol plays Navarro twice uh, throughout this whole thing, uh, which would be kind of hilarious if that's what happened. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, let, let's let's please witness. Uh, who do we play? We play Oklahoma State going forward. Whoever the schools could play, we play anyone from Oklahoma State. We could play someone from Rice, Tulane, North Carolina State, Syracuse. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of schools out here, uh, which is which is fun to see. Also, mathematically, or at least how the brackets f- filled out. If all goes right, it could be Tech versus Tech in the national championship. They're on separate sides of the bracket. <laughs> this is a possibility. This is probably won't happen, but I'm just saying. I we will say that just... I, don't, I don't know how the bracket is laid out seed-wise, but it looks like Crosstar and, and Bilchev are the last the entry. Yeah, the last entry in the top half, and then the four was just kind of plopped in the middle. Uh, the league yeah. Sharbura four is just kind of plopped in the middle of the bottom half. So um, yeah. it's a long road, <laughs> long for, road. for Hostar and Bilchev. They got to get through Florida, then a Baylor Wake Forest, then a Pepperdine or Florida State or Arizona State yeah. and an Emma Navarro situation. So um, it, it's going to be tough, but you know, yeah. in terms of, I'm just surprised they put them on either side. Like I feel like you wouldn't want to default the same school from winning a title. Like, what what other sport does that where you can have the same team default win a national championship hey that's uh that's the rub right i mean that the 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 logic that you applied there is the same thing ncaa does to split up same conference teams in in regionals or you know first four seeds of uh basketball tournaments but it's tennis tennis is odd you know they're they're a little bit more wedded to those seedings so you know (laughs) i I appreciate that it's a possibility, but if it becomes a default tech national championship, I think that'd be the story of the year. Wouldn't it? God, yeah. there'd be a couch burning. There might be a couch burning on Techwood again. That'd be pretty fun. Also North Carolina state could do the same thing. Yeah, but it eh, doesn't matter. We're not the only I, ones. We're not the only ones. We're not that special. You know what? I just want to go back to when North Carolina state seemed to randomly lose to us all the time and everything. Like Kevin Keats, noted not winner, by the way. Yeah, all, all that good stuff. That was much more fun for me than them suddenly becoming really good at women's tennis. No, 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 no. 
All right. We had that, beat, I we think... had beat them like 35 years in a row. That's that's where that comes from. For those who don't know the context that I just pulled out of my out of nowhere on that. But anyways, sorry, Akshay. I, my my segue to our outro, you've ruined it. Um, but I think that does wrap it up for us. We've hit well past the hour mark at this point. Uh, Jack, do you have any final items before we get out of here? Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I recently had COVID. I don't know what strain we're on now, but uh, it, it thankfully didn't have it hard enough to where I couldn't watch. It made it conducive to sports watching, which was great. Uh, so I, I, in some sense, I'm, I hate that I had it, but I'm glad I got this to kind of get a sense of like, yeah, we're, we, we, I got to see, we got to see some good moments this, this weekend amongst, amongst a ridiculously busy sports calendar. Uh, but the NBA playoffs were happening. The Preakness was happening. A golf major. Uh, Braves had some good games. I mean, this was there was a lot. Um, but I'm glad we're able to touch on the fact like, hey, Tech's not out of this. Like, we're here and we're in the midst of something possibly great uh, for a couple sports here. Yeah, Absolutely. Jake, do you have anything as we wrap up? Yeah, I just want to say uh, it's official that – um, a couple things are official. Javon Franklin signed his grant and aid. We didn't talk about men's basketball at all because they're very much not in season. Uh, but that uh, is definitely exciting. We, we need some forwards. We need some, some big men too on the basketball court, but uh, didn't want to let that uh, slip on by. And then uh, for tossing in personal things, I literally uh, just got in the mail today, the title to my car. So after many years, I finally own that. So that's uh, personally nice. very exciting go. for me. So, Oh, I, um, I also... I Feeling bought like my, an uh, adult. Nice. I bought my Lorella Kubai jersey this week as well. So oh. that was a lot of money down the dream. But I've got a, a New York Liberty jersey coming my way. There you go. Very there nice. Mr. Grant, why don't you take that new car of yours, that new car title, and drive us home here? Dri- drive us home? I thought you were going to say drive us to wild heaven. Uh, that's the only free <laughs> ad we'll give. Uh, more on that in the future. Um, in terms of the rest of the way, uh, from the rumble seat.com uh, for everything written. Uh, you can find links to the podcast there as well, but uh, that that's home for everything from uh, your fine Georgia tech coverage, random advanced stats, as well as the binion index football's most binion index. Um, you can find us at FTRS blog on Twitter, uh, myself at Jake grant 98. Akshay doesn't disclose his, and I can't remember Jack's. So Jack, if you want, feel free, uh, but otherwise find us at from the rumble seat at gmail.com comments uh, suggestions we're always open to all that and with that have a great week